Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode features a special guest from BC Tech. The organization is focused on making BC the best place to grow and scale a tech company. We talk about the Scale Up BC initiative, the sector's need for senior leadership, local success stories, and a whole lot more. Our conversation starts now. My name is Jill Tipping, and I'm the president and CEO of BC Tech, which is the largest member-based technology association in BC. Uh, we're based in the Lower Mainland, but we do a lot of work in partnership with, uh, with teams right around the province. Uh, for myself, I've spent my whole career in tech, first with Deloitte's in the UK, and then with a uh, solar power company based in Burnaby. And then just coming up for four years ago now, I joined BC Tech as the CEO. And there I've made it my mission to help grow and scale so many more tech companies in BC than, than have been making it. I want to double the number of anchor companies that we have, homegrown anchor tech companies in BC. And uh, we're just determined to build a pathway towards that. Um, I want to quickly jump through to uh, the startups to scale ups uh, program that you guys have. I went through your site um, and I just, I really love the idea because you see a lot of great ideas with people who may be really good at, you know, uh, a specific kind of thing within the tech community, but maybe not be the best at scaling or how to run operations or how to sell. So are you able to kind of just to, to give a, an overview of, of how that conversation came up and, and what that program looks like. BC is a partnership of 11 innovation organizations across BC and we're asking for federal and provincial funding to help us help 800 tech companies grow and scale in the next five years. Um, maybe I'll start with success. We'll start with the Olympic gold medals that we've been celebrating for the last few months in BC. So we've had seven companies emerge as unicorns. What that means in our sector is that they have a valuation of a billion dollars or more. That's astonishing. That, that is an astonishing track record of success. But then if we dig into it and we say, well, why did that happen? You know, those aren't, those aren't overnight successes. Those aren't lucky bets. That's not an idea that somebody came up with in their garage last week, right? These are 10 years growth company stories, all of them. And they are people who had a great idea, which has been true for many, many, many years in BC, but something switched in the water about five to seven years ago. And people said, you know what? I don't want to just pump it to the $50 million revenue stage and then sell it. I have ambitions for my company and for BC. That's more than that. And I have access to programs and services and a supportive community that is going to get me the talent I need, get me the advice I need, help me find the board members I need, help me find the smart capital that's going to not just give me money, but also give me advice and connections and customer connections. And, and when we started to, well, I like to call it own the podium. When we started to say, hey, I don't want to be, I don't want a participation medal in the tech sector. I want a gold medal in the tech sector. And we raised our ambition and we built things together as a community like the BC Tech um, Accelerator Programs. What we're now seeing five to seven years later is the fruit of those investments that were made then. And that's what makes me so passionate about the need to keep investing in the little guy, right? The, I like to say sometimes, you know, the 1% in society is always gonna be okay, right? The top 1% of anything is gonna be okay. 
my job is to help more people reach that success. I want to worry about the 99%. I want to make sure that if you've got an idea, you can turn it into a revenue generating company. If you've got a revenue generating company, I can help you grow your revenues to three to five times what they were. If you're struggling to attract the right kind of talent to help you grow and scale, I can unlock that for you and enable you to achieve your ambitions because I don't want that 1% makes it in BC. I want five to 10% of our companies to really exceed all expectations and reach that status. But we're only gonna get there if we invest in the programs and the products and services and the educational systems and the, and the mentors and the advisors that can help you at the stage that you need it. Because you know what? Once you're selling $100 million in revenue a year, you're doing well. You're going to grow. You, you, know, you definitely still need capital. You still need to grow. You still need talent. But you have a lot less need at that stage of uh, services from organizations like mine. But when you're small and when you're ambitious and you don't have all the resources that you need, you're so desperate and so hungry for the support that we can provide. And it's our great joy to be able to deliver those services. So, so I am absolutely determined that we're gonna start investing really seriously in this incredible opportunity that we have here in BC. Um, awesome. So I want to ask you a little bit about, um, I had initially planned to talk to you about brain drain and, and uh, you know, talented human capital leaving uh, Canada. Um, and so I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I will put that to you. I know it's a conversation, I guess, that's come up in the past. And I understand that there are some uh, some changes in the way that people are looking at that and, and the fact that that might not be happening at all now. So <laughs> please enlighten me. <laughs> so interesting, right? You think about for how long have we used that phrase, the brain drain, and been concerned about it. And, and it's a real concern, right? If we know that the number one gap in BC is senior experience talent, okay? So, and if we had more senior experience talent, we would have more anchor companies and we would have more ability to support small companies to grow into medium-sized companies. So we know that that's a challenge. And then something really interesting happened during COVID. People started coming home. So people who worked in Silicon Valley companies said, you know what, I think I might just bring my family back to British Columbia. I can work remotely. I can work remotely in BC just as easily as I can work remotely from California. And I think I wouldn't mind being closer to family and being closer to home. So we actually saw a bit more inbound movement into British Columbia. And these people were senior experienced talent from some of the biggest global names. So. What I find fascinating is, is hard to know, you know, what the future is going to look like now, but I think that the need to be close to the office will be permanently adjusted. It will at least be questioned and the possibility of remote working and distributed teams is with us for the future. And what that means for places like British Columbia is basically really positive. It means that you can, there's no compromise for the quality of the work that you can do if you wanna live in the best place on earth. And that's good news for BC, whether that's people wanting to live in the lower mainland and work for Silicon Valley companies, or maybe people wanting to work in Rossland and work for companies headquartered in uh, the lower mainland, right? It's as we move in the direction of people can live where they want to live and where they love living and work on the projects that they love to work on big global projects 
I think there's a real opportunity for places like BC that have a fantastic quality of life. What tech companies though need really is this uh, access to talent, senior experience talent is the number one thing that's holding them back. And in a marketplace where there's a real limit on senior experience talent, one of the things that these accelerator programs can do is it's sort of like accessing talent as a service. So instead of having to hire a team of eight to 10 amazing C-suite executives, if you can somehow access through mentors, advisors, uh, educational series, um, connections to other companies in the ecosystem, if you can somehow parse that a little bit, invest in some key, key, key roles that you must invest in, but get yourself a little bit further along the pathway by accessing programs um, from organizations like ours, it can actually help you not reach the wall and get cut off in your growth. So that's the number one thing that uh, tech companies tell us is that the number one thing that's holding them back is a lack of supply of talent. And that's what they'd like to see more of and that they really wanna see these programs and services that we offer uh, available right across the world. One of the big conversations that we have with government constantly is about labor market demand. So where have the jobs that we have managed to create come from? What industry sectors have they come from? Um, the answer predominantly, you know, technology innovation and knowledge sector jobs in the last year. Um, and where are the jobs going to be created in the future? So what industrial sectors are going to stay at the same level of employment they are right now, which ones are going to decline, which ones are going to grow. And when we take sort of a 10 year frame, we can see that almost all the job growth that's going to happen in the next 10 years is going to come for roles that have technology in them in some way. So whether that's in the sector itself or in other industry sectors, that's where those jobs are going to come. And then the question becomes, well, where are the people? going to come from to fill those jobs. So what that looks like uh, for a government or an industry is a huge reskilling challenge. How are we going to help workers to reskill, to equip themselves with the skills for the jobs of the future? Because yes, there's a huge part for new graduates, you know, new entrants to the job market, but that won't be enough. It just won't be enough to meet the demand that we've got. So um, industry has become tremendously open to micro-credentials, to reskilling graduates. The answer to everything is not a four-year computer science degree. Uh, and not every job in the tech sector is a heavy technology coding job. There are plenty of other jobs that need to be done. So the tech sector, I think, is likely to become the number one growth sector and, and the number one employment sector that governments pay attention to. And that'll be true for the next 10 and 20 years. I want to ask you too a little bit about uh, if you notice any trends in the different regions throughout BC, I think um, maybe comparing the lower mainland versus Victoria or Kelowna, like kind of a lot of our audience is in the, the fringe areas outside of the lower mainland. Yeah. Is, you, is there anything that came to mind there? But Victoria. Yeah is growing like gangbusters. I mean, it is really impressive. And Kelowna, of course, is a, a natural, I think, a natural home for tech companies to grow in. But we've also seen some really interesting growth in other places as well. So um, there's companies um, like Carbon Engineering, which is based in Squamish, right? So near to the Lower Mainland, but not in the Lower Mainland. There's Thought Exchange, which is in Rosland, relatively small place, building a really big and impactful platform company. 
Uh, there's another company called Live It Earth, which is a Technology Impact Awards finalist. We just announced those last week. And they're doing fantastic work for STEAM education and kids. Uh, and they're, um, they're based up in Nelson. We're seeing increasingly the tech workers also are in places other than the lower mainland. So they're in many small communities. And uh, there's also a pretty exciting technology sector growing in the North Island with some great gaming companies in particular in Nanaimo. So I think it, the other angle to think about it from is that today every company is a tech company. So if you're in mining, if you're in forestry, if you're in logistics, if you're in distribution, if you're a restaurant, you need to have a lot more uh, online and digital skills than you had before. So we're starting to see tech jobs in every community and every main street. And that's kind of exciting. There's always a digital angle. There's always a digital play, whether you are a chocolate maker or you are a bookstore or you are a sandwich shop. Like there is always a digital angle that will make your business more robust and more resilient. Um, I want to jump into some of the smaller markets. You mentioned a little bit about uh, Nanaimo's gaming studios. I think there's a Cloudhead is up. I think that's up in Campbell River. Um, are you seeing some different kind, different trends in these smaller markets? You, again, you touched on Rosslyn and, and these other things, but with the ability to work remotely, you know, it opens up, you know, the Prince George's and Kitimats and, you know, Port Hardy, quite frankly, if they have a good <laughs> IT infrastructure, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, so that's, you raise a really important point there. Connectivity becomes incredibly important and especially for some Northern and remote communities, right? Making sure that people have access to be able to participate in a remote or distributed economy is really important. So there's been some great announcements recently from the province and from um, the telecoms providers. Telus has made some big investments. Rogers has made some big investments. That's good uh, because that really opens, um, you can sort of think of that as the highways and the roads and the infrastructure for the connected economy, right? You need to have um, the infrastructure or you can't participate. So I think that's critical. Um, we're starting to see, uh, as you were mentioning, much more openness to remote working, distributed workforces. So that I think is not gonna change. Uh, we do need to make sure that we are equipping people with the right skills though. And, and there's a challenge there in reskilling or career transition skilling, we might call it. But there's also a requirement for continuous learning, continuous education and keeping your skill set fresh and up to date. Uh, and that's probably going to require a bit of, um, uh, dare I say it, a bit of a revolution in how we think about education, because uh, it's not going to be once and done. You know, it's not going to be you go through school and then you maybe do something after school and then that's it. You've got your qualification and your education and your training for life and you, you, you just work. It's not going to look like that. It's going to look much more like a continuous investment cycle. Lots of experiential learning, lots of on the job learning but lots of short courses and specific areas in which you dive deep. And that's gonna look very, very different for the employee of the future and the employer of the future, because we're gonna to have to be in a partnership to make sure that, that uh, we end up with the right skills and the right workers in the right place at the right time. Um, I do wanna ask you a little bit about leadership. Are there, maybe, I don't know if there's a single leadership lesson or a couple of things that have really helped you uh, as, a, as a leader, as you're managing, managing a team? So in terms of managing teams, set the bar high and believe in your team and they will rise to it. They will rise to where the bar is set. 
So don't hesitate to set the bar high because it's inspirational to people who want to feel autonomy and purpose and, and, and they want to do well and achieve uh, incredible things. So set the bar high and your team will rise to it. The other thing I might advise just sort of as a, as a leader, as a worker, as a, as a human being, um, always ask for what you actually want. I know that sounds like, well, surely everybody does that. No, people surprisingly often will ask for what they second want. They won't ask for what they really want because they're worried they might not get it. So they ask for their second best option. And who wants a second best life, right? So ask for your first best option and just see what happens. Um, and then maybe my final piece of advice, and this has been really true for me in the last couple of years, never give in just don't give in like half of life is showing up and the other half is not giving in <laughs> you'll be amazed what happens if you just go that extra mile that extra climb that extra week that extra month just keep going keep trying keep trying for your plan a and sometimes the universe helps you out and delivers it i've got four quick ones uh, to finish this off for you so Favorite book or podcast that you're, that you're currently engaged with? Well, I'm totally obsessed with uh, a podcast called No Stupid Questions. It's from Freakonomics Radio um, and the co-hosts are Angela Duckworth and Stephen Dubner. Um, Angela's the woman who wrote the uh, Grit book and uh, Stephen Dubner is co-author of Freakonomics. And they just, they have such an entertaining time. So I really recommend that. Best personal advice that you've received? Speak up. App or a piece of software that you can't live without? Zoom. I know it's ridiculous, right? Zoom and the unmute button on Zoom. Favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island? Not there. Ah, okay. So this is a new one because I, um, I was just talking with Josh Nielsen, who's the CEO of Eastside Games, and he's just back from Ukulet. And I'm going to Tofino this summer for a camping holiday. And I said, okay, tell me where I need to eat. And he told me his brother's got a restaurant there. So um, Yuki Dogs in Takaria and Yukulit. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.